0: So, good morning. It's good to see everybody here. Uh, this is just a great place to be. It's like a little escape from the craziness out there. And uh, typically, uh, when I was, whenever I've uh, done teaching in the past, typically I'd choose a, a topical study. And I've been for many years fixated on end times and prophecy. So usually I would have done something like that. But really, honestly, I felt there's so much... End times in the news. Why don't we just forget it for now? So I didn't want to go there. It's, you, know, used to, you know, 40 years ago it was exciting. It's not quite so exciting now. It's, it's a little uh, tumultuous. but uh, So anyways. so Rich said, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to do your own study or do you want to just continue on in, in John? And so I said, well, you know, let's just continue on in John. And so my assignment that he gave to me was First John 4. Uh, 16 and 17. And uh, last week, uh, verse 16 was stolen from me. Uh, you're all witnesses. You just said, I'm taking that verse. That's okay, though. We're moving on. <laughs> but really, I'm going to read the verses, um, which I'll do right now. So 1 John 4:16 and 17 says this, we know how much God loves us. And I would might stop and say, Do we know? And that we need to always uh, seek and hunger and thirst after knowing how much God loves us. But we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love, and hopefully you have. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid. And so that, again, is what we should be striving for. You become a Christian, and then you grow. Now, how, however many years that is, you grow and you learn something new every day. So these verses are really just the foundation of what we're going to be talking about. And my desire is in my spare time, which a lot of times is at night when I'm in bed trying to sleep and I can't, so I like to think about God, and I want to know Him more. I want to know all about Him. I know when we get to heaven, a lot will be revealed to us, but I want to know now. I want to know Him, what's going on, what's He doing and so that's where a lot of my thoughts are in my spare thought time. Uh, so those, that's what I want to concentrate on, helping us just to just have, have a dialogue and some thoughts uh, to focus on him because uh, you know, we always need him, but now more than ever. And uh, you know, on the Day of Judgment, uh, we can face him with confidence and that he knows us personally, you know, I mean, God knows everything about us. So when we appear before him, we're not going to be a stranger. He's not going to say, well, who are you? But, but in a spiritual f- a faith sense, we want him to say, oh, you know, I recognize you. I know you. We, we've had dialogue. We've had a fellowship. You know, we've had conversations. And so we want to know him. Uh, when we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and he testifies what the truth is. So we know what the truth is. And so we need to dwell on the truth, and we need know to know the truth. Uh, so the two themes of this discussion today are going to be God's love for us, and just some thoughts on how he loved us, but how, how can we love God back? And that's really up to you, but I just want to spur the conversation, spur some thoughts. So Now what I, like, what I would like to do, I like to go back in time, way, way back, who knows far, how far back, eons back because we know there was nothing until God created it so what was before that i mean you look at space and you know we have a new telescope which is showing us planets that are like we've never seen before and it just it blows my mind god gets bigger and bigger and bigger the more the more i know about him but there was uh, there had to be a time when it was just god there was nothing and god existed in his essence and he is, he is complete within himself. And it's hard to, it's hard to talk about God in human terms because he's not a human. But I, that's the only way I have to do it. But God, God, wherever he was, he existed in his own essence. And God has no need or want. Right? And his essence... It, this, see, we have personalities... But God doesn't have a personality he, has a, he, has a, he is a being in his essence is love and holiness and he had a des- but he had a desire he wanted to be a father to have children why so he could love them and, and fellowship he wanted that's what he, that was the desire of his heart now we know that We know that God knew that there there had to be freedom. We had to have the freedom to choose, because God didn't want to build robots. You know, if you if you create a being and he's in your presence and all you'll do is shower them with blessings and all these great things, I mean, is it true love or is it just you know, you know, gratitude for giving so much? So God wanted us to be able to choose life or to choose to reject him. And we know what happened in the garden. Now, God knows all this, but this was his plan. And by the way, I don't think God has to sit down and plan things. God just knows what to do. So, But in the garden, all was perfect, right, until sin ended creation. and But there had to be a pathway for redemption, or all would perish. So way back in that beginning time, God in his essence, in his love and holiness, said, well, there can only be one way to provide an escape from judgment, and I have, to, I have to provide that way. In his holiness, he would send Jesus, who would open the door of faith and trust in him. So an act, a glorious act of profound love, God himself would become would come in the person of Jesus to save all that would trust in him. So God, he, God proved his love for us, as, it's, as has been mentioned in, uh, several times in this teaching in John, uh, in Romans 5.8, that God showed his love for us. He, he, he's, 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 here it is, I'm doing it, I'm going to come, and I'm going to pay the price for you. And I hope to give a really good example of that at the closing so, but there's more to understand about God's love. See, I have, a you know, a lot, when you talk about God's love, um, a lot of, I think a lot of people, especially, I'm talking about non-Christians, and maybe even some Christians, we kind of confuse God's love. Well, yeah, God is, God is love. And I think many, in their thought, think about God uh, like, like the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, like, oh, love and flowers and, and peace and joy, that, that is not the love, that is not God's love. God, God is pure love, and I don't think we can really understand that, because we, we, we have human love, but God's love is much, much, uh, it's, it's pure. But he is also a just God, and his, his essence, which is holiness, cannot dwell with sin. So a lot of, a lot of churches preach that love, without part B. For instance, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. That's a great verse. Well, we know there's another part. And 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish. So you can imagine going to churches today which basically preach this message. So God so loved the world that he's not willing that any should perish. And that's the message. But that is not the message. We know that God so loved the world that He gave a way to escape judgment. And it isn't God being mean or angry, it's God cannot dwell with sin. And, it, you know, we, we can see some people, in, there, I'm sure there are people in this world that are non Christians that are, that are they're much better than me as far as being better people. It's not about that. We should strive to be better, but what it is, we have to do it God's way, and that is through the door. Uh, of Jesus. His holiness cannot dwell with sin. No matter how good you are, how many wonderful things you do, what a wonderful personality you have, he just cannot dwell with sins. So, how can, so God has proven his love for us. I hope we can understand it. But how can we love God back? And that, again, that's up to you to decide. I just hope we can, by this teaching today, encourage us all, just to seek him out personally and, and, and discover ways to love him back. Now, we know that all through the Old Testament, you've read all the stories of all the animal sacrifices and this, the unrelenting daily sacrifices to atone for someone's sin. The, the, the Levitical law, I forget, there's, I think there's close to 600 laws. It's something like there, There's a lot of laws. Now, those laws... They weren't uh, given by God to punish people. They were meant to keep people free from sin mm-hmm. by protecting them. A lot of them for, were pro, uh, for protection, things you shouldn't do, things you shouldn't eat, and, but also to set them apart, Set the, the Israelites set them apart from the other inhabitants of the world. But the law was such a heavy, heavy yoke. I mean... I can't believe that people didn't think what is the use daily after day, day after day after day trying to atone for, the, for your misdeeds and, and your sin. And so, so sacrifice became a way to acknowledge God's love and by, be obedient to what God says. But, is there a better way than that hopelessness, that hopeless act of just eternal sacrifice, that never really completed the act? Well, in First Samuel 15:22, uh, in response to the Israelites being disobedient to God's commands, Samuel said in response, "Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying." the voice of the Lord. So what Samuel is saying, yes, we have all these sacrifices, that, and we need to obey the Levitical law, but is that what God is concerned about? No, he's concerned about obedience. And so you can, you can match, you can balance all that sacrifice by being obedient. And he went on to say, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. So we can show our love by being obedient. Now, we're sinners. We fail every day. So being obedient is an act of continuing work in progress. Now, for instance, you are all being obedient today just by being here. Because there are many that are off in the world doing their own thing because the day of the Lord is really irrelevant or not important important enough to take heed to. But we know in Hebrews 10.25 it says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of, of some is but exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. And do we see the day approaching? We do. Nobody knows the time or the hour, but things are not looking too good. So you're being obedient by showing up here and saying, yes, I believe in Jesus, and I want a fellowship with my fellow Christians, my brothers and sisters, to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to exhort one another. And we can offer a better sacrifice than all that was taught in the Old Testament. The Old Testament. And one of our creeds here is we go, what's on our bulletin, Acts 242. And that means continuing steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, uh, breaking in bread and prayer. So offering our presence here is an act of obedience. Now, I want to talk, i give another example. Uh, In Genesis chapter 4, there's a story about uh, Cain and Abel, and there's there's really not a lot in the Bible about what happened. Uh, we know that it, it, they were introduced in uh, in Genesis four. Uh, Adam and Eve had a, a, a son, Cain, and then they had another son, Abel, and uh, Abel Abel became a shepherd. Now, how did they choose their uh, their vocations i don 't know but but uh, he, he, Abel, Abel became a shepherd and and Cain became a farmer now, a farmer is not uh, an easy job uh, it 's you know you 've got to cut down trees you 've got to dig out the stumps you' got to dig out the rocks you've got to till the soil you've got to plant you got to water you've got to fertilize you got to weed it 's really hard work uh, now being a shepherd um, I don't say it's easy, uh, but basically, what do you do? You uh, you have some sheep. Uh, the sheep were created by God, so you somehow you obtain these sheep, and they procreate, and the flock grows, and you just guide them and you lead them, right? So you. Uh, what does a shepherd do? You you bring the sheep and you make them lie down in green pastures, right? You lead them by still waters and you have a rod and a staff and you. it says you comfort them, right? How does that comfort them? Because sheep need to be led and guided. They... Are interested in eating and drinking and sleeping, and so we need. The, so they don't do a lot of thinking. Uh, so the shepherd is kind of helping them think, right? So again, he eat. He, here's some grass. Let's go over here. Here's some water. Let's go over here. And they can rest. They can sleep because the shepherd is on duty and he's watching over them. And the other thing about a shepherd is his voice. See, the sheep, they'll, they'll learn his voice, and, and that, that voice will be a comfort to them. And that comforts them and helps them know that they're safe. And the other thing is the shepherd is watching out for some that might come and attack the, uh, the sheep, right? And so, obviously, Abel has become a type of Jesus. And that's what Jesus does uh, for us. He is guiding us and leading us through life. But we have to, we have to listen to his voice when he speaks to us. Now, we, have, we don't have the Levitical law, But there are laws. The Ten Commandments are, although that is in the Old Testament, when you look at the New Testament, uh, Jesus, he kind of reframes the Ten Commandments. If you look at what he talks about, he talks about, uh, like the First Commandment is similar. It's to love God, although your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, to have no other gods before you. Now, Jesus talks about uh, the second command is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And the question is, who is your neighbor? And there are, there are stories in the Bible about, you know, the good Samaritan who finds somebody injured on the road and he stops and helps them and pays money so they'll be taken care of. Well, that's, that's a good example. Uh, but you can, the neighbor is who, who you determine your neighbor is. Your neighbor doesn't necessarily mean somebody who lives next door to you. It is somebody that you come in contact with. And so, uh, you know, he, he goes on to talk about the other uh, Ten Commandments. But, they're, again, they are not, not a law unto this. The Bible tells us that the, that the law was, was a schoolmaster. It was to bring us into Christ. And so we have laws that we can be obedient to. And, again, they're there to protect us, you know, they may protect us legally, because uh, you don't want to steal or kill somebody, uh, but they're, they're, meant, they're not meant to punish us. You know, they're, they're meant to protect us. So that, that's, what, that's what the shepherd is doing, uh, watching over the flock. Now what about uh, Cain? Um, again, farming is, is really hard work. And so Cain chose that to be his vocation. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about this whole story. The few verses in, in, uh, in Genesis, and there's a, there's a verse in Hebrews that talks about, about uh, Abel uh, having a better sacrifice. But you think about what, what Cain was doing, all the work, the tilling the soil, planting, out in the hot sun, weeding, watering, watching over, harvesting... When when it came time for harvest, uh, Abel offered the choice of his flock. He looked for a lamb without blemish, uh, the most perfect one in his flock, kind of what Jesus was, a perfect lamb. Abel had nothing to do with that sheep other than watching over it. And again, I don't want to diminish the work of a shepherd. It's, I'm sure it's pretty hard, but he did nothing. He had no involvement other than caring for that sheep. Whereas Abel, he's, he's working hard. He's sweating. He's dirty. He worked really, really hard. And so at at, at the time of the offering, Abel brings a lamb and Cain says, look, look, I'm bringing all these vegetables. Look at how hard I worked. And God wouldn't accept Cain's offering. And Cain got really upset. And why did he get upset? Did he not know what the truth was? No, he knew. Now, it doesn't tell, as I said, it doesn't tell a lot of the story. It doesn't, it doesn't, there is isn't a verse in the Bible that explains how God sat down with Cain and and Abel and explain, here's a story, you know, you worship me, you offer this. The Levitical law does go into a lot of that, does explain a lot of different things. But we know that that they knew the truth. And Abel chose to be obedient and choose the better sacrifice. And all that work that Cain did was for himself, it was pride. And Cain said, look, I've, you know, this is, he didn't say this, but I'm sure he's thinking this. Look how much work I did. I did all that he did nothing. I've got the I, have the, I have the real gift here because I did it. I planted, I watered, I put the seed, you know, I, weeding, gardening, watering, hot sun. I, I did all this but God would not accept it because God's mean, right? No. See, this is where the essence of God is. God is holy. Did he love Cain? We have to believe he did because God had a love even for the disobedient, but he could not accept that gift because it wasn't from his heart. It was from his head, and pride was... The foundation of that gift. And that, so we have to look at these examples and how that, how, how can we emulate those things that we do. And as I said, it, it's a learning, I know it's a learning process for me, and I discover things every day on how to, do things better than I did in the past. So that is why we read the Bible. The Bible uh, changes almost every time you read it, and I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic there. It doesn't really, but I just know that as I've read the Bible through many times, there, there are times, there's a verse where I've, I've looked at it many times before, and all of a sudden, I see a different... Application that I haven't seen before. And so that's why we read the Bible to look at the different uh, examples of the past and how to fail and not to fail. When, uh, when Jesus asked uh, Peter, do you love me? Now, Jesus knew Peter. They walked together. You know, they fellowshiped together. They ate and slept together. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's probably thinking, well, well of course. And so he said, What do you say? Feed my sheep. And he, he asked him again. He says, You know, Peter, do you love me? Well, yeah, of course. You know, care for my sheep. And he asked him a third time. Now, I mean, I don't know how we would feel if, if God asked the same thing. Would we, would we start to get annoyed? Was, was Peter getting annoyed or was, he, or was he perplexed? I think he was a little confused about the questioning, but we can ask ourselves the same question by putting ourselves in Peter's position. Mm-hmm. And if Jesus says to so us, do you love me? And, you know, when I, I pray, I always tell God, I say, Father in heaven, I love you. And I, I always ask myself, I always say this to myself, well, how would you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you I love you, but I mean, how would you know? Is it because of what I'm saying, or is it because of what I'm doing? And the things that I'm doing, I have to ask for forgiveness daily, because the doing and the saying are not coalescing. I'm doing the saying more than I'm doing the doing, <laughs> but I'm trying, and that's where these lessons about, for instance, Cain and Abel, I don't want to offer something to God that is imperfect, that is from me. It has to be pure. Now, I'm not pure. My love isn't pure, but I'm learning from God's essence how to work his love into my life loving my neighbor do I, lo- I like a lot of my neighbors are good i like them uh, do i love them i'm not really sure that love doesn't come from me it has to pass through me it has to come from god we ha- th- these so these are the things that we are learning that i am learning i want to uh, you know what as i Go through life. As I have been a Christian for 40 years, and I don't think anyone who... Rich has talked about how long he's been saved. There is no one that I've ever heard that said, okay, I finally got it, you know. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. But I want to know more God, God more closely. Mm-hmm. Now, I just... As we're closing up here, I just want to... I just want to wait. a... I'm going to give a, a, a review on a movie. This will be interesting, right? Uh, you know, as we go through life, there, there are times when something happens and it just draws us closer to God, you know, it, it, it can be anything. I remember Chris was telling a story, he was having a really bad day going to work and he heard a song and it just, it just affected him. And music has that gift, you know, and there are things, you know, it could be a sunset or a sunrise, so, you know, I've, I've, I've seen geese flying overhead that just made me glorify God. It just, something triggers a response to God, and you really know then how much you love God. You, you know, but we kind of fall back into the flesh. But, you know, a lot of times that we watch movies, and we've, we've watched a lot of movies about the life of Jesus, some are a little bit more graphic, like The Passion of the Christ. I've talked about that. They kind of, show a little bit of uh, how, how really horrible it really was. Some other movies, um, you know, not so gory. But they give us an idea where we can just, in, in, our, in, our, in our minds, just imagine what it was like to walk with Jesus and what it was really like. But in closing here, what I want to do, I want to talk about a little bit about a, a part of a movie called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And that's a book by C.S. Lewis. And I don't know if you've seen it, uh, if you haven't, I'd recommend it. Uh, it's a fantasy book. It's based on a biblical precept. Battle of good, battle of e- evil, right? And what it's about is this, uh, these uh, four young people, two, two male, two female, they're living in London during the Blitzkrieg, during World War II, and they have to escape to the country for safety, and so they end up at this old professor's house, and there's this wardrobe that is, it's a doorway to this mythical land of Narnia. So they discover this and Narnia is a, it's a fantasy place, but it's loosely based on the kingdom of God. And it's under condemnation or under the rule of a wicked witch. She's a, the witch of uh, a frozen witch. Narnia is, it's, it's frozen and it's just cold. And there is talk, folklore, among the inhabitants. We're all cre- they're all creatures. That there will be a deliverer. And so these four come in. Now, Peter is the oldest, and he's, he's in charge of the family because he's the oldest. And there's a, there's a younger brother, Edmund, who is very rebellious. And then there is an older girl, Susan, and a younger girl, Lucy. Now, when they get to Narnia, Edmund is, is being very, very rebellious because Peter is not being very good at his authority. He's not wielding it correctly. But Edmund is a very unlikable character. He's rebellious. He's cocky. He's cranky. He's, he's always fighting, fighting. And when he gets to Narnia, he's, he gets so upset that he gets away from the other three, and he goes off by himself, right? As I said, very unlikable character. And he meets up, he's, he's captured by this evil witch, right? And she gets him to, to give some facts about where the others are. And he, so he kind of squeals for, for this little dessert that, that, that uh, he gives her, right? And uh, so because of the laws of Narnia... He belongs to her. He's captured him, okay? Now, you come to find out as you watch the movie that th- this th- there is this knowledge or this hope that the deliverer would come. And so the boys are called the two sons of Adam and the daughters are the two sons of Eve. And they're looking for them to deliver them when they know nothing about it. But the people, they keep saying, you're our deliverer, you know? So... Edmund escapes from the, uh, the witch, and get, he's back with them, and so they hear about Aslan, and Aslan is a type of Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and so they hear that Aslan can help them, so they come into Aslan's camp, okay, and they want to seek his wisdom, right? <clears throat> And Aslan is in, they don't know who he is yet, but he's in this tent. They can't see them. And so they want to see Aslan. So there's a lot of dialogue and all that, but there's a point where Aslan's going to come out of the tent. And all of a sudden, everybody drops to their knees and bows their head. It's very moving to see uh, just the the love they have for Aslan, just the obedience. And so Aslan comes out of that tent, uh, very striking, a very large lion, rep- the representation of lion of the tribe of Judah, a representation of Judah. Very, 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 uh, very moving to me, anyways. I could hardly talk about it, but, so anyways, they're, they're ta- speaking with Aslan, so the witch comes in, and she says to Aslan, I've come to get Edmund, he belongs to me, I want him, Okay? So Aslan and the witch go into a tent. They're going to have a discussion. And they come out, and Aslan says, uh, the witch has released her hold on Edmund. He's free. Because everybody's all happy, right? So later on that night, everybody's sleeping, and Lucy's awake, the younger girl, and she sees Aslan slipping out into the woods. And she wakes up her sister Susan and says, we must. We got to follow him. Where's he going? So they're following him, and he realizes that they're following. He so says, okay, you can walk with me for a while. But they get to a point in the forest where he says, you can't go. I have to go alone. I have to go alone. So you stay here. So he moves on. They do, they do kind of follow. But what happens is, he goes to the camp of the witch. And... <clears throat> He offers himself for Edmund, and they bind his jaw and his legs, and they're cutting his mane off. And I said, "That's not fair. Edmund's a jerk. He doesn't deserve that. He doesn't. He's a jerk." But that's what Jesus did for us he took my place I'm a jerk I I didn't deserve what he did for me but the good news is that Aslan rose again and Jesus rose again so it's moments like that where I know how much God loves me and that what he did for me and that we have hope our hope is in the Lord. So in these difficult times where there's so much on the news of discouragement, our hope is in the Lord. And I would just say if it, you know, I don't know anybody here, I don't know who's listening. There's only two groups of people in this world, sheep and goats. The sheep know Jesus, there are goats that are still yet transitioning to be sheep. It's happening all over the world. But if you don't know Jesus, you have no hope. You need hope. Let's pray. Amen. Father, we just try to understand how much you loved us. It's, it's hard because you're so good. But I would just pray, Father, as anyone who doesn't know you hasn't given their hope to you, Father, they would trust in you or that you would save them from the wrath that is about to come on this world and just thank you for allowing us to meet here today, Lord, to study your word, to worship, and just to fellowship. And we just look forward to that day when we will all see you face to face and that we will live and reign with you uh, for all eternity, Father. And we just give you the hope and praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Thank you. If you could stand up, we're going to sing one more song which says that Jesus knows our name. And we